Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, begins a new series titled The Invisible Enemy. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. Come up, can we welcome our campuses? Let's welcome South Shore and Plant City. What's up, you guys? <laughs> Father, we love you today. Uh, thank you for this uh, awesome day to worship you. We pray that when we leave here, we've been impacted by the word and by being together. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen, amen. Delighted that you're here today. We're starting a brand new series called Invisible Enemies. Invisible Enemies. We have a few, don't we? We, we have a few. We want to deepen our faith in the midst of some really challenging times. And uh, I, I want to just give you a quick commercial. If you'd like to, if you have uh, any sort of mobile device, I know that we probably all have at least one, maybe more, you can go to the app store of your choice and get the notes there. You can get the Crossing app, and all the notes that I have here are all downloaded in the app, so it makes it a lot easier, especially when I have multiple points. I've got a few things today, and uh, so it's easy to follow along and take a few notes if you'd like to. The URL is on the screen as well. So I think we're all more than a little bit concerned about our nation, aren't we? And the world that we live in. There are a lot of things that are swirling around, and uh, it can cause a little consternation sometimes, maybe some sleepless nights, and Maybe even further than that, some actual fear, like some, some real tactile fear for what's going on now and for our future. We've always been sort of um, fascinated with the future, and that's why Bible prophecy is so important, and God speaks to us. God is the only one. I just want to make this statement right out of the gate. God's the only one who knows the end from the beginning. God's the only one. He's the only one. That's why, we, that's why we go to the scripture as our source. And, um, but there's predictions that are all over the place. They've been around for a long, long time. I, I, uh, I want to open with this reference from an article written in 1967, U.S. News and World Report by a gentleman named Hubert Hefner. He's a scientist. He now works at Stanford. He's the uh, provost and dean of research there at Stanford now. He's not done bad for himself. <laughs> Here's what he said in 1967 about what the world might look like in or around the year 2000, all right? In or around the year 2000, he wrote, I see a virtually cashless economy through computer processing, right on the money. He also said it's quite reasonable to believe that in the future each citizen would be represented by a number, verified perhaps by his or her thumbprint in which uh, you would have financial exchange accessible only through your thumbprint. Later, later in the article, he says, moms will take less trips to the market where she will insert her change a plate. I love that terminology. You know, on all of our credit cards, there's that little plate, right? Change a plate or punch her order into a computer and have it delivered to her car or even to her home. This is, this is, this is 54 years ago, okay? And that these predictions are remarkably accurate, incredible, with all the smartphone applications, uh, pay with your fingerprint. That's a little strange, isn't it? Uh, I mean, a- Amazon and Apple have it figured out, don't they? I think at some point we're going to think a thought and they're going to drop a pony in the front yard. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've got it figured out. Now, post-2020, vendors and businesses utilizing curbside service and home, free home delivery options, just incredible accuracy. However... However, the same article also predicted the cure for the common cold by the year 2000. We do know now in 2021 that the flu no longer exists. Some of you are getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. Mysteriously. Mysteriously. How many of you remember Y2K? 
You remember the year 2000? The world was going to end. Some of you are not old enough to remember. That's okay. Good news. Spoiler alert. We made it through it. And we're going to make it through everything else that comes up. We're going to make it through everything else that comes up. Uh, However, things are becoming more sophisticated, more complicated to decipher what's real and what is fake. Have you seen the new sort of turn now, this thing called deep fake, deep fake. Anybody heard that Uh, at all of our campuses, South Shore, Plant City at home, deep fake. So I want you to see a little video and then we'll comment in just a second. Hey, listen up sports and TikTok fans. If you like what you're seeing, just wait till what's coming next. That is actually not Tom Cruise. That is, that is an actor named Miles Fisher. And so I want to show the little explanation of what's happening here through computer animation and graphics. What they can do now is they could download all of Tom Cruise's idiosyncrasies and pull his face off and put it on Miles Fisher's face and you see Tom Cruise. And, and so the, the, the implications of this are incredible. So when you look at this little explanation, I want you to look at the person on the left, your left, when you look at the screen, his name is Miles Fisher. He looks like Tom Cruise, but then you'll see the superimposition and what the animator does with the graphics. Check it out. And that made me realize there were a lot of creative possibilities. A deep fake is um, a video where someone's face has been changed into another. So, for example, in the videos I make with Miles Fisher, you don't see Miles Fisher's face, no, you see Tom Cruise's face. I just overlaid it on top of Miles. With your help in 2020, together, we'll dominate the ballot box. This is no stunt. The way I train a deepfake is where I tell a computer model to start training on thousands of images of a, of a certain character. In my case, it's Tom Cruise. Thousands of images, all his expressions, all his angles. So in the end, I have like one big model and it's like one big Tom Cruise model. All of, all of Tom Cruise's emotion is in this. I'm scared. I mean, that is some crazy stuff, right? Imagine all the things you could do, you know, with that deep fake te- technology. I say to my son all the time, just because you see it in the media doesn't mean it's true. Come on, somebody. I mean, just because they go, no, 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 I actually saw it. No, that was a hologram. <laughs> so how do we face the future and ground ourselves in all the, the sea of information, all the things that are true, not true? Um, we need wisdom, don't we? The, the Bible says we need wisdom. James three seventeen and 18, New Living Translation says this, but the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure. This is really, we need this. Because every single one of us are dealing with all of the sensory inputs that are coming to us on media, on television, around us. And so we need wisdom to know what is from, wouldn't it be awesome if we knew what was from God and what was from man? Now, very, very important. Here's, the, here's how we determine. But the wisdom that is from above, this is from the Lord, is first of all, it's pure. All right. It's also peace loving. It's gentle at all times. So when you see the opposite of these things, you know that you're hearing from man, you're not hearing from God. And it's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere, <laughs> right? 18, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So what we have right now in our culture is pacification that is trying to pass for peace. Come on, somebody. 
pacification that is trying to pass for peace. But there is not because the scripture goes on. If you read the book of James, it says, when you bump into the wisdom that is man's wisdom, it brings confusion. That means confounding and conflicting ideas one against another. You can't, this cannot be true and this be true simultaneously at the same time. It's confusion and it leads to every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. And so, yeah, you can clap for that if, it, if you, you know. So when you hear things that are insincere, they have a label, but underneath the label that you think might be good are things that are not good. You can say those things are conflicting. They're not pure. They don't bring peace. I don't hear the man of peace speaking or the woman of peace speaking. I hear the spirit of the antichrist. And when you hear those conflicting things, whether it's in the supermarket or whether you're at school or whether you're in your literature or whatever it is, when somebody's speaking from the platform, the pulpit, we test all things, don't we church? We're to test all things for wisdom and peace that comes with the presence of God that we have wisdom in as the discerning factor to start with. And then there are some other things. And, and, and so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5, a great couple of books here in the scripture. And Paul is speaking to the church that was just started on his second missionary journey, the church of Thessalonica. And um, they were being oppressed. They really were being, now they were being persecuted in ways that we are not persecuted today. And isn't it crazy that you can be going along in your life and then you trust Jesus as Savior and when you do, it feels like the whole world turns on you. Come on. It's like the whole world. And so they had to deal with Rome and the Roman government. And the Roman government was oppressive in ways that we don't understand today. When I say oppressive, I mean, if you determine to be a Christian, one of the ways that they treated Christians were they, they were to take you and, and dip you in tar. They turned you upside down. They nailed you to a cross and they lit you on fire to light the roads at night. That's, that's a little bit of oppression, right, church? That is, that's different than the oppression we're facing today. But I want to tell you, Christianity finds its legs in the darkest place on the planet. Christianity... The harder any government tries to repress Christianity, the more Christianity shines. No government can take away your faith. None. They had to deal with the Greeks, and the Greek culture was obtuse. It was uh, promiscuous. It was very, uh, uh, it was very, very vulgar. And so they had to deal with government that was oppressive. They had to deal with culture that was embedded. And the Greeks ran most of the world still. Rome was overcoming, but Greece was still foundational in its cultural effects and. And so there was a lot of promiscuity. There was a lot of sexuality similar to what we face today. And then if you trusted Christ, um, your own people, the Jewish people revolted against brother and sister and mother and father and daughter. And at, at best, or at least you were tolerated, right? That's kind of how the culture tries to treat Christians. But at worst, you would lose your life. And so in some places around the world, they understand this. If you choose Christ, you're ousted from your family. That means you don't get, there's no reward. There's, you know what I mean? You don't, you're not, you don't take place in the family any longer and you become ostracized in a way that would be very, very difficult to survive because we need our families, don't we church? We need one another. And so these first century Christians all the way back 2000 years ago, were facing the exact things that we faced in similar order today. And Paul writes to them to encourage them and to inform them, hey, listen, I've got really good news for you. So here's the summary. 
And the couple of points, here's, here's the summary I want you to hear. No matter what you go through, and I know some of you are going through some things I've talked to you. No matter what you go through, no matter what you hear, come on church, no matter what you see, I want you to know this isn't the final scene. Listen, this thing that we're seeing right now, this thing we live in is not the final scene and every person on planet earth is gonna see the return of Jesus Christ. Everyone is. So you guys... So listen, you guys say, ah, come on, pastor. People have been preaching about the second coming of Christ forever. You know what I mean? I, I want to say this. Sometime in time, Jesus is coming back. Yes. At some time in time, Jesus is coming back to the earth. And when he comes, there's not going to be any mistake that he came. You're not going to have to see it on your social media feed. <laughs> when Christ returns, the entire world will see his sign in the sky. We don't know exactly what sign it is. I think it's a sign of the cross. And that's what bore witness to his death. I think he's, you know, he came as a baby first. We're about to celebrate that at Christmas, but he's going to come as a triumphant king next time. He, he'll come on a horse and, and he will, the scripture says that we're going to be caught up with him. And I want you to see this, that this is not our final scene. Join me. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Now, brothers and sisters, or I should say sisters. 13, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. This term in Greek means those who die in Christ. And so the Bible's not confused that we die, but I want to say this. We die, say we die, we die. but we don't, die. we don't die. Come on. When you close your eyes, when you're in Jesus, when you close your eyes here, you open them there. there is a, there's a transitional piece and, and, and we just go from life to life. That's why when we have memorial services and funeral services, they call them, we call them celebrations of life for believers because that's what it is. It's a celebration of life to life. We, we go from life to life. Don't be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men. We grieve, we're on the same grieving pattern as other human beings. However, we grieve as those who have hope in eternity. And that makes all the difference in the world. 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive and those who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from the heavens with a loud command. This makes me so excited with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other in these words. Hey, listen, this is not the final scene. I don't know what's happening governmentally. I, I, I mean, who knows what's happening? Who does know? Who, who knows from this administration to that administration, blue and red, who knows? Who knows? What's happening? Who, what's happening in culture? We can't define it all. God doesn't ask us to define it all. What's happening when we choose Jesus and all of a sudden we've got enemies? Now, Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter and all those things are bad enough, but when you trust Jesus, even your mom gets mad at you. And that, that's a crime. That's, that's, but I want to tell you something. Jesus is Lord. 
And, and he says, I've come, you know, maybe you haven't heard this scripture, I've come to bring a sword, not just, and the sword means the cutting of the soul to say, Jesus is first no matter what. Beyond every human being on the planet, I choose Jesus, and wherever my relationships fall, they fall, I'm gonna be a light to the world. Amen. And then you gain, you gain a brother, a sister, they're closer than blood. Uh, we, we want to preserve our families and our relationships, but the first thing we do is give our lives to Jesus, and, and God wants us to know, whatever you're going through today, this is not the final scene. This is not the final scene. This is not the final scene. I have a brother that was uh, born four years before me. He, uh, unfortunately, he passed just after he was born here in Tampa. My mom and dad live in Norman, Oklahoma, um, and each year they come, November 17th, to memorialize um, Craig is, is his name, Craig and Greg. That would have been pretty cool. But you know what's awesome? I'm speaking about him, and I know I'll see him in a minute. I know, I know I will. The Bible says we'll know as we have known. And, and so um, it was kind of an unusual day um, at, at the uh, memorial site, the, the funeral site. And uh, my mom got a, a headstone for him and had some special things. And so we had a little service. And it was cloudy, and it was a little bit cool, which never happens in Tampa if you're not from here. Um, it's hot, hotter, and hottest. Um, and so it was a little bit cool, and it was a little bit overcast, and um, we had a little service, we had a prayer, and we had some balloons, and in like fashion, you know, we prayed to the balloon, and we released the balloon, and I've, I've never seen this before. I've done a lot of services. We, you know, the cool thing about being a pastor is getting to see people's lives in transition. And it is a remarkable thing to see believers believing in Jesus. It is remarkable. It's remarkable to have a peace that passes understanding. It's amazing to see it. When you see it, you know, that's the genuine thing. That's the real deal. So we prayed and we released the balloon and really overcast. And as the balloon went up, I, I, I've never seen this before. The balloon went up and the clouds, you guys, parted. They literally opened and the balloon went all the way through. And we just stood there going, Wow. The balloon went all the way up through the part and disappeared and sun shone through that parting in the clouds and came right down over his headstone. And we stood there in awe. And as soon as the balloon went out of sight, the rays came down and then the rays went. It's almost like God sent them down and said, I'm telling you, I want you to remember this isn't the final scene. This isn't the final scene. The final scene is with me. The final scene is always with me. Tragedy, difficulty, no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, no matter what we go through, and the balloon disappeared, and then the light pulled back up, the clouds covered, and we said, I think we're done here. <laughs> I think we've just seen the Lord. And we want to remember that Jesus is coming back and that we're all going to see him. Join me again in the scripture. This is 5 now, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, brothers, about the times and the dates, we don't need to write to you. We're going to know the season. Everybody say season. We're going to know the season, and we know that the season has begun. Why? Because Israel is a nation. And when Israel became a nation, that's the super sign of all signs to note, to note, that's the beginning of the end. Well, how long is the end? I don't know. But we know that's the super sign, Israel being a nation again. And so we're, we know the season, but we don't know the day and the hour. And so the scripture is saying to us, don't be a crazy Christian. Come on, somebody. I want you to live and be ready for Jesus to come today. Come today. 
Be ready for him to come today. Watch the scripture. I don't need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them, and suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Now when the labor pains come, y'all. Sorry, y'all slang. slang. When labor pains come, y'all. There are no stopping labor pains. Can I get an amen, ladies? Amen. Men, if, you don't, if you've not seen this, it's frightening. <laughs> it's it's one, of the mo- one of the most incredible miracles God's ever created. Just this one of the most miracles. I'll, I'll never forget that the nurses came in and they said to my wife, wait just a minute. She said, I can't wait. There's, when labor pains come, when labor pains come, the baby's coming. I mean, when you get into those full, that full rhythm, that end of that rhythm, and, and it's coming, there's no, so here's what Jesus is saying. I'm telling you that the season is here and that there's a baby that's going to be born. And as we go from year to year to year to year to year, or decade to decade to decade, the Lord is saying, I am coming back. I am coming back. And so... You have a baby, you can't sleep, you go into full term, you go to the hospital, you drink castor oil, you walk around the hospital parking lot for four hours. Come on, somebody. We did all that, first baby. But when that time comes, the baby's coming. The the baby is coming. And, And Christians, what we forget sometimes is that we know the season and we know the signs and we know we're pregnant. And so let's live like the baby is coming. Let's go ahead and paint the room. Let's go ahead and get ready for Jesus to return. Let's live like he is coming because he is. But brothers and sisters, you're not in the dark so that this day should surprise you. We are people of the light. It shall not come upon you as a thief in the night five. You are all sons and daughters of the light and the day. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. We do not belong to the night nor the darkness, so then let us be not like the others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. You can see these, these parallels that he's trying to draw, these pictures, but... Since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. If you want to anchor yourself in what's going on, put faith and love on as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a good scripture, church. That is a good scripture. Man, just say this with me. Man can't do anything to me that God doesn't allow. That's that's real. That's real. Human beings go through terrible difficulties and seasons, but the scripture says that Jesus is alive and he keeps those who are his. He, He keeps those who are his. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, and he's talking about all of us, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another. Build each other up. We face some stuff. And when I was putting this together, I thought about the uh, towering theology of the song by Tim McGraw. Live like you were dying. And, uh, and, and so you're going to see the words on the screen. I, I am, uh, I'm not going to try to sing them. And he said, I went skydiving. 
No, so listen. Right? I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull man, Fu Manchu, right? And I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, Someday I hope you get a chance to live like you were dying. Now watch this, watch this, other, this other portion. He said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't, and I became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden going fishing wasn't such an imposition. What a blessed verse. <laughs> and, I, and, and I went three times that year. I lost my dad. Watch this. Well, I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, this isn't the final scene. And I want you to know, every human being, past, present, every person who's in Christ, you're all gonna see me come. Those who were asleep, those who are alive, those who are gonna be born and then go to sleep. When I come, the world's gonna know that I come and we're all gonna be caught up together. Not, not every person, every Christian, right? Every believer, past, present, and future, together with him into the air, and God is saying, I just, want you to, I just want you to take a look today. Yes, I know that your ball, you know, your ball team plays at noon. Woo, go Bucks. I don't know who they play. Go Bucks. All right. Way to go, Tom. Somebody tell me who they're playing today. Oh, they already played. God bless America. <clears throat> they played on Thursday night. I'm a pastor. I knew that. I was studying on Thursday night. And I think they won. They won. So how to prepare yourself? How to prepare yourself? How do we prepare for him coming? Quickly, there's a few things here. And again, if you grab the app, they're, they're on your notes. The Bible says these things. I'm going to move them. They're kind of lightning round here, okay? It says to warn the idol. God says, I want you to work because I created work. I, I want you to do everything as unto me, the Lord. Encourage the timid. When somebody is timid, and here's what we need in our culture right now, God isn't asking you to be overbearing, he's not asking you to be ugly, but he's asking you not to back up from him. Amen. Don't be timid. Don't be timid. Don't let people push you around with ideologies and philosophies that are not of God. The Lord gave you his promise. You can clap for that. Come on, let's get in there. Help the weak. In other words, in, the, in Christianity, what happens in Darwin's scope of the world you guys know what I mean when I say Darwinism, right? Darwin says that the strong rise up and they prey on the weak. And that's what the world does. Here's what the Bible says. The weak are cared for by the strong in God's body. In other words, your body, if, if, if you're having weakness in your body, you don't say, you darn thing. <laughs> but too often, that's exactly what we do to each other. This body is your body. His body, her body is this body. And when there's weakness in the body, you're tender with that weakness. If you have a limp, then you notice, and this other side takes over for the limping side, and the strength cares for the weak. That's what Christian life is supposed to be like. The world, the world is carnage, and if you show your weakness in the world, you get devoured. God asked for something totally different than that. Because I, I, I'm, I'm grateful. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And when I'm weak, someone else is strong. And then the next day, they might be weak, and I get to be strong. 
God is good. He says, be patient with everybody. All four of those, those things that he talks about are, are in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, that, that one verse. There's four things in that one verse. And, and so here's, here's what patience is. Patience with others is love. Everybody say love. love. Patience with self is hope. Everybody say hope. hope. If you've lost patience with yourself, you've lost hope in you. Patience with God is faith. Everybody say faith. faith. That's what it is. And so, so we, we, need to, we need to really be patient. Patience is tough sometimes. Five, be kind to everyone. Be kind. Being kind will take you further than being clever. Being kind will take you further than being clever because if you're clever, you can get stuff, but you can get stuff and not have anybody to love the stuff with. So there's a, there's a quick little turn there where you go, I'm gonna be clever, I'm gonna be smart, but I'm not gonna be kind. And what you do is you amass a bunch of things, but then you, don't, you can't enjoy the things because there's no one around you to enjoy them with. Being kind will take you further than being clever. Kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. That's Mark Twain. Six, be joyful always. Seven, pray continually. Be joyful always, pray continually. Be joyful always, pray continually. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Joy and thanksgiving are the keys. How many of you would love the password? How many of you would love to take your phone out and when you're stressed and you're hurting and you're going through difficulty and you just put the code in and the presence of God would come like a sixth a uh, six foot eight soldier dressed in army get up would come and guard your heart and your mind. How many of you want that? Okay, I'll give you the two passwords. You ready? You take your phone out. No, I'm just kidding. Joy and peace. Joy and praise. Joy and praise. Joy and peace. Joy and praise. Joy and praise. Joy and peace. You're, so what we're doing is when things go bad, we want to tell God how bad they are. When things go bad is the time to tell God how good he is. And when we tell God how good he is, when things go bad, watch this now, watch this. When we tell God things go bad, let your mouth say what's good. Don't get on the bad train. You get on the bad train, what you're doing is agreeing with the devil. When you get on the good train, the devil's wanting to take you down this road and you're saying, oh no devil, I might be on your train, but God's driving it. And listen, God, God, God controls what the enemy can do to you. And so while things are going bad, you want to speak those things that are not as though they were. And you want to say, before you get healed, God is gracious. His word says I'm healed and therefore I am healed. Some people say, no, you're crazy for saying you're healed. And I say, no, I am healed. Why? Because I'm already seated in Jesus Christ. I'm already at the right hand of the father. So you balance your, your, uh, your declaration with what you do. So just because I say I'm healed, it doesn't mean I don't do anything to help myself get healed. Come on, somebody. I mean, I work out. I try to you know, eat as well as I can, unless it's Sunday. I try. You got, you got to do what you got to do, and then you got to tell God. You got to say to God and say to other people, no, this is what God does. God does all this stuff. God does this. I don't do that. That's God's realm. And so peace and praise, thanksgiving and praise, joy. Don't let the devil steal your joy. If, if the devil steals your joy, he can steal your hope. He steals your hope. He steals everything. Give thanks. Always give thanks. This is a great story about a man named George Mueller in the late 1800s. He operated an orphanage that had a thousand children in it. There's a thousand young mouths to feed. And one morning there was no food to eat. This is an example of what I just showed you. 
One morning, there's no food to eat. So just imagine this. Imagine having a thousand young people that you're caring for. And if, if you don't have food, they do not eat. That's, that's, that's a lot, a lot of pressure. So no food in the orphanage. He, he was an evangelist in um, London. And so he called the children together and the staff and he pulled them together. And instead of saying, man, this has been a bad day. You know, so-and-so didn't make it. This didn't happen. This didn't happen. Uh, the finances have been difficult. And so I don't, I'm not sure what we're going to do. We don't have any food for today. What he did is he pulled the staff and the children together and he said, Lord, thank you for the food you've given us today. And within 10 minutes, a baker arrived and said, I don't know what happened to me last night. God instructed me to bake all this food and bring it to you this morning. Test everything. This is nine. I'm landing the plane. Test everything that's taught. We've lost faith in science, haven't we? If you haven't, God bless you. You know, follow the science. Ote, buckwheat. <clears throat> we've, we've lost faith in science. We've, we don't know what's true and what's not true. We've, we've lost faith in journalism. We've lost faith in media. So now is the moment whenever we put our faith in the Lord. Now, now's the moment. And he says, worship me in spirit and in truth. And, you know, I, I, uh, I brought my Bible, my, the, the paperback Bible. I have my iPad, you know, digital expression. But, but there's nothing like this. And the reason I brought it is because I have tape on it. And um, somebody said, aren't you embarrassed that you have tape on your Bible? I said, heck no. I said, a taped up Bible is a put together life. <clears throat> so... Now listen, I'm not claiming I have it all together. I'm, I'm claiming that I, my foundation's in Jesus. And there's, no, there's not a time in history more that we need this word than we do right now. There's not a time. There's, there's never gonna be another time where there's a better time for you to get into the word of God and, and, and just find a simple Bible plan. And while you're going along, God will speak to you and rhema words. He will download you what you need. He's better than any counselor, friend. He's even better than your mama. He's, God has words for you that are, that are particular to the season and the time you're going through. And then this is the last one. Ten things I just ran through, okay? Avoid evil. Avoid evil. Now, this is a little tongue-in-cheek. This is, this, is, this, is this is a... So, now I want to say, I'm going to tell you a little story. This is not me and this is not my wife. Okay, this, this is not me. I'm going to say I in the little thing, but this is not me. Let me say it one more time. This is not me. While my wife and I, this is not my story. <clears throat> I just want to make sure you understand. While my wife and I were shopping in a mall kiosk, a shapely young woman in a short form-fitting dress strolled by. My eyes followed her. This is not me. Without looking up from the items she was examining, my wife asked, was it worth the trouble you are in? <laughs> so I wanted to make us laugh a little bit to say something like this. Every time we mess with evil, there's a price to pay. There's a price. 
Every time. Every time. I just, I'll just sum it up like this. God don't play. He's every time. There's every single time. And so you say, how do I prepare those 10 things right there? What do I do on a daily basis? Live like you were dying. What am I supposed to remember? I want you to know this isn't the final scene. This, this what we see right now, it's not the final scene. When your mortgage payment is tough, when your struggle is tough with you and your husband or you and your wife or you and your kids or whenever you're going through health issues, I want you to know, church, this is not the final scene. This is not the final scene. And we have, we have a choice. Listen, we can, and, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek too. Listen, we can, we can uh, go overboard and we can get really scared and really fearful and we can go, you know, doomsday preppers. Listen, I want you to prep, get some extra food, get some extra water, whatever you're gonna do. I'm not saying don't prep. What I'm saying is don't be weirdo. And I want you to listen to the statement. Listen, listen to the statement. And again, please forgive me. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to rub you wrong. I'm trying to, I want to listen. And I'm going to talk to everybody out there. We can't live this life in fear. This, this is not, that's not what God, God calls us to live in faith. So in one scenario, in a choice, we mask up this, we mask up and we move out. And we end up wherever. I don't know where you go if you're going to run off. I don't know if you go to Wyoming or I don't know where you go. Where the heck do you go? We, we run off. God's not saying, I want, you to, I want you to mask up and move out. He says, I want you to light up. I want you to light up and I want you to move in. Because you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Now listen, I'm not talking about somebody, I'm not talking about whether or not you wear a mask in public or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. You understand? You with me? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what's going on in here and whether or not we live by faith in the word of God. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And in a house, you don't take a light and put it under a bowl. You put it on a stand so that the whole house is illuminated by the light. And the Lord says this, and in the same fashion, you're to live your life in such a way that you should glorify, men should see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven because of the way you're living your life. And God is saying to all of us today, he's saying, listen, I know there's some invisible enemies out there. I know they're there, but I want my light to shine in the darkness. Join me. Join me in praying, would you? Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. We just reflect for a minute about all the things that are out there, all the things we could, that come after us, all the things that we hear, all the things that are said, all the things that we're experiencing. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us courage, courage to just light up from the inside out. We know the first thing and understanding that is to trust you as Savior. And so today, online, at our campuses, at home, here at Tampa, we're going to say this together. Every person, we're just declaring Christ as Savior. Say, Lord Jesus, today's the day. I'm trusting you as Savior. And then say to him, I know I've sinned, but I give you my life. Sincerely, I surrender. Today's the day. In Jesus' name.
We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts by subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash crossingchurch to subscribe. You can also download our app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. Thanks for joining us today, and we can't wait to worship with you this weekend. For times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.